when you have kids who are raised around animals, they learn very quickly lessons about the birds and the bees. One story that I love to share is back when Brian was eight or nine years old, we had just gotten ducks and Bonnie and Brian Jay were walking past the duck pen one day. And one of the drakes mounted the duck and Brian Jay turned to Bonnie with eyes as wide as saucers. And he said, look, mom, he's trying to pregnantize her. This is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 121 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. Now, folks, I do think that spring has finally sprung here in beautiful upstate New York. I hope I'm not jinxing myself. Uh, Maybe this is fake spring, full spring, pre-spring. I don't know, pre-mud season. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But certainly things are starting to pick up here on the homestead. A lot of ground to cover. So let's jump right into this week's homestead happenings. So the first thing I wanted to share with you that I did this week is I played some more pig Tetris. (laughs) Now, that's just simply that I have to kind of rotate uh, pigs around because we are hopefully going to be having piglets here in the next several days. They are due to Pharaoh really starting any time. And so I needed to relocate the two sows that were in with bear Uh, over in with my feeders and then segregate my feeders into the summer paddock. And uh, then the sows will be in the, the hoop coop that we use for winter housing. So it's kind of this shift that I have to do each spring. Um, I was able to get the one sow sage moved over. No problem. She followed the bucket, boom, right through the gate into the other paddock. And all was good. But Basil, on the other hand, she was stubborn. She was the first one to come down over the hill to the gate. But then as soon as I opened up that gate, she spun and headed back up over the hill. And so I tried to get her to follow the bucket and she would follow the bucket only so far. And then she would spin and head back up over the hill. Bear ends up coming down. And now I'm trying to keep him from going through the gate over in with the feeders because certainly I don't want all of those feeder pigs bread. Um, And so I'm trying to figure out what can I do to get basil to move over with sage. And then I remembered that I had some large marshmallows on hand and folks that did the trick. I started tossing those things around and then I was kind of having to toss them one way to get bear to go one way and, and uh, then another way to get uh, basil to go the other way. Uh, and, and I did not have one marshmallow to spare. Uh, if I would have needed one more marshmallow to get uh, basil over where she was supposed to be, I would have been in trouble. But thankfully, the marshmallow trick worked. So just a pro tip for you. If you've got pigs, 
train them to follow the bucket. But if they get a little stubborn, try marshmallows. At least they have worked well for me. Now, as part of this whole pig uh, Tetris thing that I'm playing, I needed to move the feeders out of the winter shelter down into the summer shelter. Now, my summer shelter is just a couple of cattle panels arched between T-posts that I cover with a tarp in the summertime. And then in the wintertime, I have to take that tarp off because it's not really designed to handle snow load. And so I went ahead and bought the tarp. I just get a cheap tarp at uh, Tractor Supply every year and just change it because they start nibbling on it and tearing it. And I'm not going to invest in a in a very expensive tarp there. Uh, and I went ahead and got that. I got that tarp on the shelter. I put some hay in there and it was just absolutely dumb luck. But it happened to be that all the feeder pigs came down over the hill to check out the hay that I had put in that shelter and all of the mama pigs, all of the sows went into the winter shelter to take a nap. And so once I realized my good fortune, I went ahead and grabbed uh, some hog panels and closed off that section of the paddock and bam, everybody was where everybody needed to be. And it worked out great. It was like the easiest game of pig Tetris I've ever played. So now we're just on baby watch, waiting for those piglets. And hopefully next week, I'll be able to give you a full report of the piglets that we've had born here on the uh, on the homestead this spring. And if you want to see baby piglets, uh, definitely follow us on Facebook or Instagram and also now on Float. So if you are on Float, I just joined Float. This week uh, at the behest of Amy Dingman, as if I needed one more social media platform uh, to manage, but um, I'm over on float now. So if you are uh, on the float platform, look for me. My uh, username is the Homestead Journey. So look for me there. I guess technically at the Homestead Journey, but you know, all the, all the things. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, if uh, you want to see the baby piglet, certainly... Uh, follow us there. And I'm sure I'll be posting pictures of them. Um, fingers crossed. I'm hoping, hoping that I'm not jinxing myself, but I think all three of them are bred and uh, should be due to Pharaoh this week. Now I went ahead and rolled the dice this week and I took the snowblower off the tractor. I hope that I have not between putting up the tarp on the summer shelter that does not handle a snow load and taking the snowblower off of the tractor. I hope I have not jinxed myself. So if we end up with a blizzard here in the, uh, in the great Northeast, I claim full responsibility. It's my fault. <laughs> I took the snowblower off and I put up the shelter that cannot handle a snow load, but no, I'm prepping because I need to move my mobile coop. Uh, the mobile coop needs to be brought down from up next to the Ruth Stout bed down uh, into the, the parking area near our garage because we have chicks on the way. In a couple of weeks, the chicks are due to arrive. And so this afternoon, I spent some time cleaning out the mobile coop. Uh, I also tried to repair the window that was broken last fall. What I discovered is that, well, the window that I thought I could use to swap in is a totally different size. So the glass doesn't match up and I'm going to have to do some kind of homestead hack job 
to make it work, probably just throw a couple of pieces of, I don't know, two by four in there to kind of hold it in place. Fingers crossed that's going to work. But uh, the glass is in the window. There's just a gap on one side of about, I don't know, an inch. Um, that is quite concerning. So <laughs> definitely have to address that. Um, but I wanted to get this episode recorded. So hopefully the wind won't be too strong and won't just blow it right out of, of the window. We'll see. But at least we are set up that the tractor snowblowers off. I've got the hitch on so I can pull that mobile coop down uh, over the hill. The, the mobile coop is cleaned out. And, uh, and we're getting ready for those baby chicks here in a couple of weeks. So very, very excited about that. This week, I also was privileged to be interviewed by Amy Dingman for her podcast, A Farmish Kind of Life. She tells me that that episode is going to be dropping this coming Thursday. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, I will share links on all of my social media accounts when it does drop. But uh, if you're not following Amy Dingman's podcast, I highly recommend it. Um, Definitely her podcast has been something that's been a great encouragement to me. And uh, so if you haven't already, definitely check it out. But I will be on that podcast this coming Thursday. And uh, in part, we're just talking about my perspective on homesteading, how do I define it, uh, how I got into homesteading, but it's just always great to talk to Amy. And uh, so hopefully you will enjoy it. It was certainly a privilege to be on her podcast. So uh, anyhow, this coming Thursday on A Farmish Kind of Life. Yesterday, I almost got Garden 2022 underway. Now, what do I mean by almost? Well, My plan yesterday was to get my onion started. This week, I went around to local stores. I found different varieties of onions, basically whatever they had, I bought. And I was ready to start them yesterday. I got my seed tray out. I filled it with seed starting mix. And then because it's old seed starting mix, it's left over from last year. I went ahead and I poured boiling water over it just to sterilize it. I was waiting for it to cool. Excited about finally getting some seeds in the dirt when Brian Jay got home from work. And as he was walking upstairs, he inadvertently, somehow swinging his hand, let go of the only key that we have to the Subaru. And it went poof into the recesses of our basement. And so he and I spent, I don't know, about a half hour, 45 minutes yesterday looking around for that key. I was crawling into places that we don't normally go into. I was covered in cobwebs and dirt and dust. And then I asked him, well, maybe instead of it going straight ahead and through the stairs, did it maybe go off to the left? And he said, well, quite frankly, dad, I don't know. And so we started looking over in that direction. And thank God I found the keys in the box of squash. But What that ended up doing is putting me so far behind the eight ball because we were going yesterday afternoon to meet up with my in-laws for dinner to celebrate my mother-in-law's birthday that I have a tray of seed starting mix, but unfortunately no seeds. And today I had a bunch of other things that I needed to do. So I still don't have any seeds in the dirt. Maybe tonight, after I get done recording this podcast, I'll have a few moments. I'll get some seeds in there. If not, 
Well, there's always tomorrow, right? This week, I did wrap up the Just the Basics Seed Starting Guide, and I have released that. So if you are interested in starting your own seeds, but you're not quite sure where to start, head on over to the homesteadjourney.net slash basics and uh, get signed up. That's the latest in my series of printable guides, free printable guides that I am developing uh, for people who are brand new to homesteading or people maybe who are just looking to take the next step in their homestead journey. And they're just looking for a little bit of guidance, um, just, just the basics. That's what I'm calling it because that's what it is. It's basic steps to uh, set you up for success. And uh, so this week, uh, the seed starting guide was released. I wrapped up the initial pass on my getting started with chickens guide, and uh, that will be released this coming week. And I am starting now on the gardening guide. So that'll be four of the 17 or 18 that I plan on releasing that uh, should be available by the end of this coming week. And so if you're interested in that, head on over to the homesteadjourney.net slash basics to get signed up. And then I'll notify you as each printable guide is released. I'm very, very excited about this project. And I hope that you will find a lot of value in it. I'm definitely soliciting feedback. If you are someone who has signed up for it, I, I really would love your feedback. If you find typos or or anything like that, please let me know. Um, and if there's if there's a topic that you want covered, also let me know that Brian at the homesteadjourney.net and I will definitely get it in the queue. Um, but very, very excited about this project. So head on over to the homesteadjourney.net slash basics. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in supporting it, you can do so by becoming a member of the Supporting Listeners Program. For as little as $3 a month, you can not only support this show, but gain access to a private members-only community on Discord. There are also two additional tiers, one at $5 a month and one at $10 a month, each with additional benefits and perks. So head on over to the homesteadjourney.net slash support for more information and to get signed up today. On this week's Charting the Course, we are going to continue our series on raising kids on the homestead. Now, actually, Ian reached out to me this week, and he reminded me that he was the one who requested this series back, I'm going to say it was over a year ago. Um, And so, Ian, thanks so much for reaching out to me. It was great to hear from you, and uh, I hope that you continue to find this series helpful. Last week, we talked about the importance of involving your kids in things other than just homesteading and how I believe if you fail to do that, you could end up teaching your kids lessons in resentment. Today, we're going to focus on something a little bit more positive, and that is that we're going to talk about how raising kids on a homestead, in my opinion, leads to positive lessons about life. And I'm not talking about life lessons or life skills or or things like that. Certainly that takes place. And we'll talk about that in a future episode, but I'm simply talking about lessons about life itself. 
So the first thing that comes to mind is simply that raising kids on a homestead teaches them lessons about the origins of life, or maybe better put, the birds and the bees, right? When you have kids who are raised around animals, they learn very quickly lessons about the birds and the bees. One story that I love to share is back when Brian was eight or nine years old, we had just gotten ducks and Bonnie and Brian Jay were walking past the duck pen one day and one of the drakes mounted the duck and Brian Jay turned to Bonnie with eyes as wide as saucers. And he said, look, mom, he's trying to pregnantize her. <laughs> Every time I, I, I think of that, it brings a smile to my face, but Certainly, having kids on a homestead and being around animals, they really do organically learn the lessons about the origins of life. And in ways that, in my opinion, are far better than learning those lessons on the school bus or in the locker room or even in a sex ed class at school. Now, I would like to say that that means that the conversation that you sit down with your kids and have is going to be less awkward. I can't promise you that. We have friends at church who are homesteaders themselves. And a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was chatting with Janet and she was sharing with me a, a story about her daughter. I don't know how old her daughters are. She has twin daughters. Her daughters might be nine or 10, maybe a little older than that. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, her her parents have sheep. And so it was lambing season. And so one of her daughters started asking her questions about the birds and the bees and, and uh, animal reproduction. And uh, all of a sudden her daughter kind of drew the connection between animal reproduction and human reproduction. And she said, her daughter got this horrified look on her face, ran down the hall, slammed the door to the bedroom and they didn't see her for the rest of the evening. <laughs> so I can't promise you that uh, the conversation about the birds and the bees will be any less awkward, but it probably will because again, the, the conversations about the origins of life and, and understanding those kinds of things certainly happen very, very organically uh, when you have animals and a kid is, living on a homestead or a farm. Along with that, they, they learn about the cycles of life. You know, the, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. And we'll talk more about death next week, but there's a time to sow, a time to tend to the garden, and then a time to reap the harvest. They understand the importance of sunny days and they, under, and they understand the importance of rainy days. And so there is an understanding of the cycle of life that I think really gives them a leg up when it comes time to go to biology class or when it comes time to study earth science. My son has watched eggs hatch. He's watched piglets be born. I mean, he's had opportunities that other kids just have not experienced. He's planted seeds and watered them and then watched them grow and achieve a harvest. He has an understanding as far as the cycle of life. And I just think that that is something that is so very, very 
important when kids are connected to more of an agrarian type lifestyle. I certainly do believe that they have a greater appreciation and understanding of the cycle of life. And not just that, but they have a greater appreciation for the value of life. I think one of the things that concerns many, many of us is that it seems like our culture has failed to value life perhaps like they should. When you are raised on a homestead and you see animals born or you see tender seedlings sprouting and you have an, a connection and an understanding of how those need to be tended to, how they need to be cared for, how they need to be protected. I certainly believe that it gives kids a value of life that they otherwise might not have if they weren't around those things. So those are my thoughts on some of the positive lessons in life that kids learn from growing up on a homestead. If there are some other things that you think of from a life perspective that kids learn, I'd love to hear from you. Brian at the homesteadjourney.net is my email address. Next week, we're going to be talking about a more sober topic, and that is lessons in death and loss that I think come from living on a homestead. But that's it for this week's episode. And so until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.